What an event. I want to do a uh, quick podcast, wrapping up, summarizing, sharing some of the biggest things from the last four-day intensive, and also a little bit of reflection on my comments and the return fire um, around the experience that I had at the hospital with my children. So the first time I've ever been to the hospital with my children, um, they were both home births and they've not been sick. They've not needed to go to the hospital. The only time they've seen a doctor is to speak with the doctor about them not being vaccinated and uh, going to preschool. Uh, For my eldest, my youngest can't go to preschool because we choose not to inject him with all sorts of funky stuff that no human through the history of humanity has been injected with up until recently. Some people feel that's the craziest thing ever. Most of those people haven't really done much research into vaccines. Um, The birds and the bees aren't vaccinated, so why do we need to be vaccinated is my proposal. A lot of the outbreaks and plagues, etc., they were really clear. I watched one yesterday talking about the plagues of Glasgow, massive overpopulation, industrialization, and people shitting in the water that they were drinking was causing uh, huge health crisis and outbreaks. Um, when we started to have sanitation and not shit where we eat, which most animals know how to do, pigs instinctively know how to do, uh, if you shit where you eat, you get sick and, and plagues and all sorts of horrible things happen. When we stop doing that, then those plagues ceased to exist. There was also some real malnourishment during those periods of time. Uh, I believe in Mother Nature. I believe that humanity is here. We've we've survived to this point because we can survive through natural conditions. Uh, If we live in unnatural conditions, then that changes. People will also throw up uh, colonial times and sort of smallpox and those sorts of things of like, oh, when, when the explorers went to, you know, Americas and Australia and such, that uh, we brought diseases with us that they weren't immune to. I think you'll actually find that a lot of their disease had to do with us uh, enclosing them and putting them into these same kind of conditions, you know, shitting where you eat, feeding them on on grains and poor quality food and, and you know, stealing their souls, you know, the, the, the mental psychological side of the, the equation I think is a big one as well. I think people can die when they have their lands and everything that they value taken from them, but they also um, were extremely poorly uh, nourished and uh, yeah, living in horrible conditions. And I think that was also a big part of why so many of them died. A lot of them also with bullets and, and, and such as well. There were a lot of violent deaths. So I think it's a kind of a convenient colonial history to say that they weren't immune to our diseases and that was the primary reason for their extinction. There was a massive eff- effort to extinguish them from, from many lands, from many places. Um, the history in Australia, in Tasmania, there's the story of the black line and you know basically walking from one side of the country to the other side of the country attempting to to kill off all indigenous people and you know there's there's all sorts of history around those sorts of things but my feeling and understanding is that we we're doing the wrong thing uh with those injections i know that that's horrible for some people to hear i have thought about it quite a lot i have listened to people like robert De, no, robert de niro talk about um the experience of of his child um being vaccinated i've seen testimonials of hundreds of mothers who've said that they the child got vaccinated they got a fever immediately and they've never been the same again 
Um, those mothers aren't lying. You can easily find those testimonials everywhere. Mothers in tears explaining exactly what happened. Some people would like to say it's down to chance. Some people say that's not as bad as having Black Plague, etc. Yeah, my feeling is that that we're being we're being duped. I think that the Microsoft Bill Gates agenda of vaccinating the world, etc., is not necessarily one that we need. I don't think that they really have the best interests at heart. I think it feeds into the whole pharmaceutical model. There's massive, massive, massive money in in vaccines. Um, and I think you can trace it back to that. I think there's a lot of money in sickness. There's Well, there's not me thinking. There is massive, massive money in, in sickness. So, yeah, this is interesting stuff. And, and yeah, it, it is hugely challenging when you have an opinion on this stuff. I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't have an opinion. Well, how much research have all the medical doctors you've spoken to? What grades did they graduate with? Did they even give a shit about this area of health? You know, are you asking that question? Doctors are potentially humans as well. So I think that it's worth us considering um, whether they have our best interests at heart, whether they've done their research, whether they're actually smart. Just blindly saying, well, Miss Polly had a you know dolly and took her to the doctor and you know, you've been brainwashed since you were a child that the doctor knows everything, but what if the doctor doesn't know everything? And the best doctors will tell you that the, the mainstream medical system is, is massively corrupt and broken and, and needs to be replaced. So this is, you know, this is an opinion and experience. I've, I've had a lot of chronic health challenges that the medical system was unable to deal with that I had to work out and, and deal with myself and, and speaking to doctors who have alternative views and reading their books and those sorts of things have helped me to be able to live a, a better life and, and as such work with athletes with, you know, um, massive health challenges, degenerative things that, you know, when they just started to live like humans should be living and, and animals need to live in nature, the problems disappeared. So, yeah, maybe that means I'm practicing outside my scope if I'm helping humans be humans. I, I don't feel as though that's outside the scope of any human to help another human to live better, to share what they what they love and what they learn. You know, you probably have to go and lock up every grandma in history who believed in giving their children cod liver oil and, and liver and, you know, the traditional grandma knew that the grandkids needed special foods and powerful foods to be able to exist and to be able to pass on uh, knowledge and, and such. Like they really invested heavily in the vitality of their grandchildren. Like that's the typical role of the grandma and they did it through food and you know some now do it through sugary foods and whatever for that sort of thing but there are, there's a lot of traditional knowledge and traditional culture around you get healthy and you have healthy kids and you have great vitality through getting nutrition right if you read the work of Weston A. Price and the, the words of early explorers when they went to different cultures they saw people living in extreme health and vitality and an amazing stamina. Some of the stories about the Eskimos and the Pacific Islanders and just absolutely phenomenal state of health and vitality, far beyond where we're at today. We think we're the pinnacle. We're not the pinnacle as far as health and wellness goes, and probably not at all in terms of strength and performance. Um, stories of people running marathon after marathon in the, in the mountains of the Andes, etc. So with nature's rules... I believe we, we lived a lot better in terms of, of health and we achieved much higher levels of vitality and performance than what can be achieved if you follow the party doctrine, if you follow the, the government nutrition guidelines and you receive standard medical care 
I don't believe you can achieve optimal performance. And I am an expert in performance. I am an expert in helping people to be their best and to win. And and my people I've worked with have done that consistently. Um, and the coaches that I've done with, you know, worked with, have have had massively above average results and no facility that I've worked with has closed because it didn't have clients to to my knowledge and many of the facilities have gone on to be the leading facility in their in their suburb in their area we still have a lot of work to do we can get a lot better but this is an area that I do know about I do know about how to build health and vitality I do know how to help people achieve optimal performance high levels of performance and some of that means that you, you have to move away from how some people or some paradigms treat sickness, uh, injury, pain. So it's, it's all on a continuum. And I think that to say someone doesn't have an, a, right, a right to have an opinion because they don't have a medical degree, it's probably not that intelligent. It's probably not that informed. Um, yeah, you probably heard Miss Polly had a dolly who was sick, sick, sick too many times as a child and you've just never questioned what you've been indoctrinated with. Um, yeah, taking control of my own health and, and encouraging people around me to do that has been one of the most important decisions that I've made and, and I don't shy away from that. Um, so yeah, the, the hospital experience was, was pretty full on. It was, it was horrific to see the kid going out on morphine and, and maybe he needed the morphine to get his shoulder back in. Maybe they tried before that maybe they didn't. I know a lot of people who put their shoulders back in without that stuff, uh, but maybe that was required. Um, the fentanyl that's following it up, I, I think is pretty hard to, to make the same justification for. Uh, if you get deep into the addictiveness of that and it's not, it's not a massively, massively traumatic thing to have your shoulder put back in. Now we're not talking about a complete surgery here. We're not talking about someone who's been run over by a truck I think, you know, I think there's, we do need to ask more questions and at least pose the question of, you know, do we need to be more careful with the use of opioids medicinally in light of the opioid crisis where four out of five people in the US start with a doctor prescribed opioid? And some people say, well, the figures aren't the same in Australia. I couldn't give a shit if the figures are the same in Australia. It's the same drugs. If people in America are getting addicted to this stuff and losing their lives and becoming, you know, criminals and, all the health problems and stuff that come with, you know, not having any priority in life other than to get a hit. If it's doing that there, it's doing that here as well. And I've had messages from many, many people reaching out saying that that they have had those experiences as well. And they're saying, thank you for bringing some awareness uh, to this situation. I don't claim to be the most informed person on, on opioids and opioid addiction. There are lots and lots of resources and doctors and people who've had their, their family and their, their lives torn apart with this stuff. There's plenty more for, for you to go on with if you really want to get into this area. But it's something that society does need to have a serious conversation around. It's not a small deal for my five-year-old to be given morphine to deal with a, a, essentially a, a scratch, a, a cut on her foot. It's a big deal for me for her to have morphine as for that. And I've been told that in New South Wales, they would never even consider giving her morphine. So, you know, the only reason she didn't get morphine and, and laughing gas uh, was because we I chose to say to the doctor, I don't think she's actually going to need that because she was, she was calm, she was fine. Um, you know, she did have local anaesthetic and, and such. So, we you know, we did use, I'm not 
damning the whole system. I'm just questioning components of it and are we doing it the best we can do it? And yeah, I'm really, really glad I didn't have to experience seeing my daughter eyes roll in the back of her head on a, on a morphine hit as a five-year-old. Like it, it, it almost brings me to tears just considering it, thinking about it now. I don't know, I don't know how, like I really, I'm really, really glad that we didn't go through that. If she had had a much more serious injury, then it would have been something to consider whether whether she would have needed that, whether she would have had a general anaesthetic, which is also a very very heavy um, drug experience. But that was not necessary with the scratch that she had on her foot to get three stitches in her foot. She probably didn't potentially need anaesthetic at all. I think the anaesthetic probably hurt just as much as the stitches would have. And they actually played around with the wound quite a lot because they were looking to see if the tendon was there. When clearly the tendon was there, and I've, you know, maybe some people are critical of me for knowing what an intact Achilles tendon looks like versus a, a, a an Achilles tendon that snapped. But I have been around strength my whole life, and it is my profession, so it's not that hard to tell when an Achilles tendon is intact or it's snapped. She was pushing against my hand with her foot. She obviously had an Achilles tendon that was intact. Even if it was uh, quite a, quite ruptured, we would not have opted for surgery with that. And you might think, well, why do I get to have an opinion on whether she needs a surgery or not? Well, I actually get the opportunity to interact with some of the best orthopedic surgeons in the world through working with the best athletes in the world. And I know that they don't want to operate if there's if there's still tendon intact. Operation is is definitely not required. And for such a young child who's not playing elite sport like she doesn't she would never get a surgery for a partial rupture i also yeah i could tell from the force i could tell from the way the injury happened that you know she didn't need that surgery so she didn't really need them playing around and looking around in there for the tendon they caused her a lot of pain with that and that was hard for me to watch because i knew it wasn't necessary i didn't tell them they couldn't do it i didn't create a confrontation around that because i knew they were doing the best they could even though there was some ignorance about the way they were going about things the orthopedic guy came down and squeezed her calf and pushed a little bit against her foot and he could easily tell that there was a lot of tendon there as well he wasn't concerned about it he was more of the expert and then the other guy who was more of an emergency procedures guy who was unathletic and and etc he wanted to play around in there that was quite frustrating to watch if they had have just put the stitches in you know a little clean put the stitches in she may not have needed any of the, the you know the drugs that they put into her system with the local anesthetic and the the local kind of cream anesthetic that they used that's not the end of the world i'm not trying to be 100% purist and say no drugs for anyone ever but yeah full hectic drugs for a 5 year old scary for that young footy player i'm concerned i'm concerned for his family like one of the guys at the event was talking about a good mate of his who'd gone down that path of using opioids and he was, you know, he was crushing them up and drinking them every night and, like, that's that's not good. That's not okay. Like, we need to have a discussion about this. Like, is it better to just get the shoulder back in? Is there, are there other ways to, to sedate? Are there other, you know, could it, could it be done in a better way? I think it's okay to question that. I don't think, you know, maybe maybe there isn't there wasn't another way in that case for this for this young guy. Does he need follow-up fentanyl after the morphine? I find it very very unlikely that he would have unbearable pain that he needs extremely strong pain medication to deal with 
the aftermath of having his shoulder put back in. Again, oh, maybe I'm not qualified, etc., etc. Yes, you can have that opinion, but I, I have dealt with many, many people who have dislocated their shoulders. I've dealt with many people who have had multiple shoulder dislocations. Two of the guys that were there on the weekend have had you know, multiple shoulder dislocations. Um, Brando, my brother's had two shoulder surgeries. I know the surgery is very traumatic and I'm not arguing necessarily about using pain medications around that, although I would still say that fentanyl might not be as good as, you know, potentially something like Panadol Forte or something is, is less addictive. My understanding is that that would be much less addictive. Um, but I'm not the ultimate expert on this. I'm not claiming to be the ultimate expert. I'm just saying that it's horrifying watching what I watched and thinking about how easy it is for, for that to become a downward, downward spiral. So there's needles for sale out the front of the hospital, $2, um, and a needle disposal area. My feeling is that probably a lot of it starts there. Um, and then, you know, some people will say, yeah, it's more prescription drugs with, you know, doctors and someone, someone has a minor injury and the doctor prescribes an opioid pain medication. Um, but I know that it can start from the emergency thing as well. And I have heard the stories of an ambulance being called and someone being in a bit of pain and they're being offered, they have been offered fentanyl. And because they knew what fentanyl was and they weren't in that much pain, they did not take the pain medication. So I know that this does apply to the emergency uh, area as well. On the other side, training camp was amazing. It was so good to do a lot of work with uh, the ATG. Um, Learnings. Okay, so there was a lot from uh, Ben Patrick, Knees Over Toes, and Athletic Truth Group. We we taught a lot of the foundations uh, within within the event, and it was good to be endorsed by Ben and doing that. You know, it feels a bit funny to be teaching and 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 prescribing things from that are clearly from another guy's system, and you know. Um, not that he ha Ben doesn't claim to have any intellectual property or anything like that, but he he is a he is doing something very very special in the area of rehabilitating knees and ankles and 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 building athletic performance uh, all over and he's doing an amazing job with that and he should be recognised for it. You know the the tendency in the strength and conditioning world is to just rip off anything that you can. Most people are doing crappy versions of what he does. They're getting the sequencing wrong. They're getting the movement patterns wrong. And that's disappointing. Like get in his online programming and just learn to do the stuff well if you want to prescribe it and think about potentially giving him credit for it if it's clearly that that's where your training program comes from. Like think about giving credit for that because it just looks unprofessional and it looks like, you're an amateur with ego issues if you're posting other people's stuff and not giving any credit. It is a challenge and there is a gray area with this and eventually you kind of start forgetting about where things came from, etc. But when it's very, very clear, it's it's a good thing to do. Um, and my relationship with Ben just came out of that because I saw his stuff and thought, this is really good. This is, this is going to make a difference and Ben's helped me a lot. And so I just told people, yeah, this stuff is good. And that was that was where our relationship came from. Now, Athletic Truth Group are partners of Real Movement and they do um, you know, power Real Movement coaches to and empower them to, to, to apply the systems of uh, Athletic Truth Group, which is very, very exciting. And I think that there is a huge wave of change coming in athletic development where there's been so much confusion and such a void uh, of quality information, uh, especially since the Polican group kind of disbanded 
um, number of years ago. I feel like there's there's really a void of, of information, uh, quality information and and systems. Um, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the, the other systems of athletic development. I think there's so much distraction in motor patterning stuff that is just not specific to sports performance, um, not specific to the sports that we're talking about. It's mostly about physics. You know, Louis Simmons is right, but Louis Simmons doesn't care about athletes as as much as he cares about powerlifting. So there's big pieces that are missing from the Westside Barbell system if you want to work with elite athletes. As far as I understand it, at least, I don't claim to know everything about Westside Barbell system, but yeah, I have read a number of their books and podcasts and been involved with coaches who've been through those systems and yeah there, there are big big pieces that are missing and that makes sense because it's a powerlifting focused system but i love the physics of Westside barbell and i think a lot of that comes out in ben's work i think he's finding a lot of, of a lot of that stuff together with the foundational understanding of of charles's you know charles poliquin's work and and all the people that contributed to Charles Poliquin's work with Andre Benoit and you know a lot of other coaches, um, the guys from the Irish Strength Institute and such. I know that Poliquin Group was a collective effort to a large extent. Charles was the man who kind of popularised and got it to the world, but there were definitely key other players in that team, as well as Derek Woodsky, who kind of introduced me to the system. But yeah, it was it was a powerful event, amazing event. It was great to be out. The guys to get out to farm gym while I was at the hospital, they went to farm gym and went through a teamwork exercise and the obstacle course. Uh, it's cool that that place didn't exist at all before <laughs> Real Movement. Um, Luke came into the program. He was drilling in Western Australia and, and now he has, you know, one of the most innovative and exciting, you know, sort of projects in fitness and personal development in, in Australia. So, to, to see that progression and that journey and for current members to be able to experience, you know, how far he's gone with building his dream um, through through real movement, you know, that that is something that's very, very satisfying and exciting to, to sort of be a part of. We had Simon Bungate come up, Simon Bungate, as we were calling him or I was calling him, I don't know why, but um, he, he also spoke about, you know, getting to that sort of um, seven-figure revenue and... Um, added a lot to the group uh, coming up for the weekend. We spoke with Gene Sunna, the owner of Again Faster Australia and effectively uh, through Asia as well. Uh, Gene offered a lot around the future of fitness and how technology can be integrated into the future of, of you know, performance facilities. And we're really excited to work on that partnership uh, together with Gene. That's uh, massive news for us. To be in Jordan Potts's gym, Exalto Performance, uh, Exalto Holistic Hub, Again, when Jordan, uh, he hung around in, in the outskirts of real movement for a couple of years and then finally came in and he came to his first event in Canberra without a facility. And then he set up a little, a small facility, kind of a, a little shoebox set up that he did really well out of. And now he has, a, a, you know, a full-size, man, men-size uh, performance facility with treatment rooms and education rooms and, you know, ice bath outside and... He's, uh, he's really built something special there and I had the opportunity to speak to a couple of his junior athletes around uh, nutrition, which was great as well. Um, so yeah, some really, really powerful things going on there. Um, Angus Smith ran uh, one of the smaller events as well. We got a great pool session in, some underwater swimming, some speed work uh, in the pool, some plyometrics. Cole Jones came and visited for a day. Uh, Ryan made a big contribution uh, to the event uh, as a, a junior coach as well with a big gymnastics circus background. We went to Mark 
um, Mark Christensen's facility, Prodigy. That was Prodigy Strength and Movement, who are also on their second facility. So we presented at their old facility last time, a couple of years ago. Now he's in a new, much upgraded facility with a cafe. And it was a great session that we had there. Um, really good vibe. And he's got a huge area. And this you know, really can be another million dollar facility like all these guys the goal now is for these to be million dollar facilities and there's no you know there's no hiding from that now there's there's no reason why there shouldn't be there's there, there's massive demand most people are being hugely underserviced by their uh, memberships at, at at small gyms and pts who just simply have not done the work and don't have the experience uh, to provide the the solutions that people need um, there is a need for the professionalization professionalization of personal training and performance coaching. We need to look beyond strength and conditioning, and these facilities are doing that. So it's great to to visit Mark. We had a number of outstanding barbecues. Uh, Mitch Lingard delivered his life story in a very, very powerful and passionate way and shows the eclectic nature of real movement. And everyone has their place as long as they want to do the work and, and become you know, who they can be, become, move towards their potential. So yeah, that was, it was special to have that with Mitch. I got in the ice bath at the end of the event, which I was kind of dreading the whole time. If I'm honest, I haven't done ice bath for quite a while. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good to do that. I'm pretty sure it was pretty cold. It had heaps of ice in there and uh, the freezer had been on for a while. And yeah, anyway, it was good to, good to do that together with Ryan. I did three minutes in there after, uh, Mitch and Jordan so that was a little Slay the Dragon moment for me uh, yeah what else did we have there it was nice to see guys coming in lean Logan made a big effort to get there from way out in the country which was good Nathan Rance uh, and Mitch Moore just joined rejoined the program the mentorship after having a bit of a rocky ride because they came in a couple of years ago and those last couple of years have been pretty bumpy for real movement so they've put some faith into me and into the program, and they're in. Uh, they're they're in all all in all in for the next uh, 22 months working together. And they yeah they came strong, and I think they they went home stronger. So it was really really powerful to to sort of have that faith and have that that experience uh, with those guys. Uh, great to have support from all the women of the community as well, supporting their their partners to to be a part of this event. It was a a men's event. Um, there will be mixed and female events in the near future, but this one was a men's one, and yeah, it's good for men to have time time together as well. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, Corey and, and Nick also have come a long way. Two kind of quieter guys, and they they're a little bit stronger, a little bit more confident each time they come to an event. So two guys traveling up from Sydney uh, made a big, big contribution as well. Nick coming in leaner, Corey coming in now as a professional coach. He joined Real Movement Mentorship, not working in fitness at all. And now we're in June and he's, he's working within one of Australia's best performance facilities, which is Clean Shred out in West Sydney. Um, he had done his Cert 3 and 4 in the past, but it elapsed so he, he, and he hadn't worked in it for, for a number of years. So he got back in, did his Cert 3 and 4, which he wouldn't necessarily need to do now because we've got insurance through Real Movement, but he did his Cert 3 and 4 and um, he's been doing the work and, and he's got himself into a performance facility and you know, I don't think it's too long until he's going to be full-time uh, in that as well. So it's been a huge journey for him already, personally, physically, uh, we all have a long way to go, but it's very exciting to sort of see so much progression from individuals 
in you know a relatively short period of time and now that we're very very clear on where the future is with real movement and working together towards that i think things are going to accelerate and uh become a whole lot more interesting in the very near future so i appreciate if you listen to this point if you want to share some thoughts you're welcome to disagree with me about anything that i'm talking about Uh, i think the challenge is to think and to feel as though you have the right to have an opinion and the right to be a participant in society i feel as though the expert culture where we just turn our brains off and hope that other people have our best interests at heart. That's not necessarily the way forward. I know that there are times where you need to do that and there are times where it's stupid to have an opinion. I don't feel as though any of the things that I've had an opinion on are things that I haven't thought about or I'm stupid with regards to, but I am happy to be more educated. I have learned a lot over the last 24 hours just by expressing an opinion and some of the conversations that I've had with people, you know, even understanding that the treatment in Queensland is much more aggressive in terms of pain medication than in New South Wales. Like that's interesting in itself. So even New South Wales and Queensland don't agree with each other. So why should we expect that every member of society holds the same standards around which, uh, which way we go with pain medications and the medical system in general? Um, all I want is for people to think. I'm open to, to criticism. I'm open to being uh, wrong on, on a, any of these things. Sometimes I push back as we tend to have the instinct to do. But I think uh, if I come out of this with more understanding and more intelligence, that's a good thing. Um, I'd love for more people to think a little bit more deeply about where the world's going and what their role in that is. More and more, I believe that it's really going to be about an underground movement of facilities where people think and make informed decisions. I think that's really going to be the way forward. It's going to have to probably move away from social media for social media is closing the doors to open discussion and thought Joe Rogan and some of these guys are fighting quite hard to keep the doors open so that a real discussion can be had, but there are big signs that censorship online is increasing so I think the, the, the movement is not going to be televised. The revolution is not going to be televised. We're going to have to create on-the-ground facilities in every part of the world where people can think, where people get an amazing service, to have an amazing body, to live the best they can be, amazing minds, vitality, wellness. We're going to have to take some serious action, and I think it's going to have to be taken quite soon. Hopefully I'll have an announcement in the next 24 hours that goes with that statement, an action on my part. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the journey ahead. I appreciate your support. If you're sitting on the fence about real movement, reach out to one of those guys who came to the event on the weekend. Reach out to anyone who's honest about their experience with with real movement, who's actually come to events and, and done the program. You know, lives change. There's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. There is nothing else like it. Like we, we're working harder. We're working smarter. We're building better teams. And we have a more genuine outcome. This is not about fitness. This is about the future of humanity. It's a bigger than fitness. Performance is bigger than fitness. Vitality and performance is another level again. Let's see what question we can answer with our lives. 
Thanks for jumping on. Talk to you soon.